Okay, we're good. All right, uh, if you'll turn with me in your Bible to chapter 2 of the book of Titus. And as you turn there, I'll just briefly recount um, some of the things we've talked about and studied in chapter 1. Um, we saw how Paul opens uh, with the identifying himself as both a servant uh, and, or bondservant or slave of God and as an apostle, um, especially emphasizing his concern with the people's eternal life that has been secured from the beginning of time uh, or before time by a God who cannot lie. He also mentions in the opening that the knowledge of truth accords with godliness, which serves as an introduction for the main theme that we saw uh, in chapter one and continues in chapter two. Um, a concern for godly living and then prompts Paul to give Titus a command to make sure to establish elders in the many churches on Crete. Um, uh, the elder is to be a person chosen by God to be uh, a steward of God's household. Um, his life must show that he's truly God's steward by displaying God's transforming love. Therefore, is, um, the, the principal component of that changed life is love. An overseer's love for people must always be correlated with a love for God wants his people to be. He must love people and equally love virtue. He must be wise and prudent, must live in accordance with God's law, must be devoted to God and seek to please him, and must manifest genuine self-control. And such elders are needed because, as we saw last week, uh, false teachers afflicted the Cretan churches in alarming numbers. Um, there were many insubordinate men, in contrast to just a few certain false teachers that Paul wanted to correct in his letter to 1 Timothy. Um, these people are rebellious or insubordinate in the sense that they are unwilling to be subject to God and his law. They are utterly selfish, aiming at nothing but money and personal prestige. They are anxious to enrich themselves even at the expense of the downfall of others. Um, and we see that in the way that um, they upset whole families on the island of Crete. Um, they are despicable. Um, because in spite of being such sticklers for man-made rules and regulations, they disobey God's holy law. After quoting a pagan philosopher to remind the Cretans of their long-standing reputation for being liars and rogues, Paul emphasizes the internal change of a person's character, that that internal change doesn't come from performing outward actions, but comes from being purified from within by the Holy Spirit. The false teachers regarded purity as being an attribute not of the mind and conscience and heart, but of material things. And Paul, like Jesus, combated this era vigorously. Um, just as Jesus said, it's not that what goes into a man, but what comes out of him that defiles him. For from within come evil thoughts. Paul, in his other epistles, constantly emphasized that it's the disposition of the heart and the purpose of the mind which render a matter clean or unclean. It's not the impure thing that makes men impure, but it is impure men who make every pure thing impure. So with that concern regarding the message of false teachers, Paul turns in chapter two to different classes of people in the church and how those different uh, groups of people should behave in accordance to their belief in sound 
doctrine. And so there's going to, as we've seen thus far in Titus, there's this tight link between how beliefs should influence our behaviors, that um, a certain standard of behavior is expected of those who confess and profess their belief in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And that's something uh, we'll see again here in chapter 2. So let me read the chapter for us, and then I'll uh, pray. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Thus far, God's holy word, uh, let's go to him in prayer and asking that he will teach us uh, by it through his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do give you worship and praise uh, this day, uh, this day um, that we set apart, uh, that you have set apart uh, as holy, um, a day on which we rest from our labors um, and uh, find our rest in you, uh, a day that reminds us of uh, the powerful work of your creation, that you indeed are the maker and sustainer of all things, but a day also in which we celebrate um, your work in redemption, that uh, this day is the day that we commemorate um, Jesus's uh, resurrection from the dead, that he conquered our enemies of sin and death on the cross, and you raised him to new life and exalted him uh, at your right hand uh, and that we await uh, the coming of his glory. And while we wait, uh, you call us to be faithful witnesses uh, to the truth of Christ's coming, uh, both past and future, that you uh, uh, command us to um, demonstrate um, to one another and to the outside world um, the change that uh, is produced in us by your Holy Spirit indwelling us 
um, that you have saved us from sinfulness and has set us apart um, for the good works that you've commanded, um, not to be saved, but as a response to that great salvation we've received in Jesus Christ. Uh, instruct us now as we study uh, these commands on how we should behave, um, commands that don't just touch um, one group of people, um, but are, are things for all of us. Uh, all of us can find ourselves in these lists of um, instructions um, for members of your church. And so uh, teach us, um, we pray. Uh, help us have humble hearts willing to submit to your word and authority, to recognize our sinfulness, but to rejoice in the strength you give to live godly lives that testify to your grace and glory. And we ask these things in Christ's name, by the power of your spirit. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so chapter 2, um, you know, begins with this contrast, um, you know, but as for you. Um, so contrasting uh, the description that he's given of false teachers with this instruction, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Um, but then he follows uh, what we get, um, uh, is a description of how different classes of people should behave. So what is, uh, so my kind of big question um, is, what is the relationship between sound doctrine, so teach what accords with sound doctrine, and the godly behaviors that we see uh, listed here for various groups of people? So. What's the connection between teach what accords with sound doctrine and then um, this list of all these things that older men, older women, younger women, younger men, slaves, um, all these different groups of people are commanded to do certain things, but it's coming from this injunction to um, teach what, hold, um, what's, uh, what accords with sound doctrine. So what's the relationship between the sound doctrine and the behaviors. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, and to think of those behaviors as fruit. And I think what's hard in this passage is usually Paul gives us the sound doctrine you know, he gives us, as, as Brent said in his sermon last week, he gives us the indicative, and then he gives us in the imperative. There are a couple places. Um, Philippians chapter 2 is another place where he gives the commands, you know, be humble, um, you know, have this mind, um, and, and then he gives us the, you know, the reasons why. And in this case, it's similar. Like, he's giving us all the, the things we're supposed to do, but then, you know, in, in verse 11, he gives us the four, <laughs> and then it, it, you know, but it's, it's the, the, the fruit, um, and I like that, that word you used, um, it's the fruit testifying to that something has happened in us, you know, that this gospel has been planted in our hearts, and that bears witness um, through the behaviors that um, uh, people in the church no matter what stage or age they are in, um, that, that bears fruit in particular ways in their lives.
Yes, Jay. Yeah, rather than giving um, yeah these specific in, um, instructions, you know, sound doctrine is, and as we we saw with the false teachers, you know, they're teaching all kinds of of different things. You know, like they've they're adding commands. Um, you know, avoid this, do this, and those things will make you holy. And in this case, you know, it's you know if you're holding fast to sound doctrine, these are the behaviors that we would expect to see you in your life. And if we're not seeing these behaviors, then we have to, to think, have you moved away from the first principle? Are you deviating from that sound doctrine, um, which is, um, you know, as you say, it's, uh, in the Old and New Testaments, you know, like, um, like we saw last week, you know, this, this um, instruction about, um, you know, pure, to the pure, nothing's impure, um, you know, how that mirrored Jesus' teaching of, about the cup. Um, and in, in this, there are, there are a lot of allusions to, um, particularly in verses 11 through 15, to things that are said in Ezekiel um, about um, how God has saved us from ungodliness. Like, you know, he's, he, he hasn't just, you know, changed our status He's changed our status for the purpose of us, you know, being able to now reject sin um, in the old kind of Scottish uh, Presbyterian way. Um, and actually, it goes back to Augustine. You know, before Christ, you know, we're unable not to sin, um, but we've uh, something's happened. Now we've been put in a position where we're able not to sin, you know, that some, a change has taken place in our heart through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the application of Christ's work on the cross, that he has saved us. And I think we often fall into that, that um, error of, you know, well, you know, I, I've been saved, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, and, he's, and he's, just as he does, Paul does in Romans, is like, what? Should we sin even more? No. <laughs> um, you know, we've been made dead to sin. You know, we've been made alive for righteousness. You know, we've been quickened. Um, so um, this should produce a response in us. Yeah. Yeah, that there is the gospel itself. Um, and, and there's this relationship I want us to sort of think about, you know, that there are things that are intrinsically good. <laughs> and the gospel, um, you know, is those intrinsically good things are demonstrated by our, uh, you know, behaviors that accomplish outward ends. Like, you know, 
altruistic ends. And so there's both a um, emphasis on the intrinsic interchange that's taken place us within us um, because of the gospel um, and the outward effects of that. You know, um, and as we think about this list, there's a lot of um, uh, attention or you know, part of the motivation for it is how other people are going to view you, both negatively if you're not doing these things, like if you're being unfaithful in ways that even the world, like if you're lying and stealing, <laughs> even the world would say that those are bad things. And so that it's going to cast uh, aspersion on the gospel because of your behavior. Um, so there's that outward reason, but there's also the inward, like this is the gospel. It should be producing these kinds of fruit. Uh, fruits in you. Yeah, and that self-control leads to, um, as we see, it's self-control runs through all of them. Love runs through through all of them. This emphasis on that self, you know, being able to control yourself and your own passions and lusts um, is 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 good for you, but it's also good for those around you. That you know that it's it's um, you know by my being able to control my own, um, yeah, my own sinful desires um, is a, a means of my being able to serve other people in love. That, you know, this, this emphasis on self-control or self-denial um, is a means of serving other people in love. Yeah, Bill. And again, it's a, it's a purification, you know, again, we, we can treat Christ's redemptive work on the cross, um, which is true, you know, like he's redeeming us for eternity, but he's also redeeming us for this life, you know, and it, that's one of those things that's going to run through this passage between, yes, we have this hope of future glory that Christ has saved us for eternity, but that has, he also has saved us for for godly lives 
in the present. Yeah, he, he hasn't saved us. Uh, again, as Paul, there's a lot of resonance um, to, to what Paul says in Romans. You know, he hasn't saved us um, for a lawlessness. You know, he's saved us for a life of, of godliness. You know, he is, is purifying us both to be able to live in his presence for eternity, but also to testify to the truth of the gospel in the presence, to create a godly people for himself, both in the now and in the not yet. Yes, Scott. Yeah, and it goes both ways. So if, if, you know, if you're impure of heart, and it doesn't matter how many good works you're doing, but the contrary is true. If you say you're, you know, that you, you're of pure heart and you're doing all these impure things, but you know, they profess to know God in, in verse 16 of chapter 1, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Like, so they're saying one thing with their lips, but their lifestyles are denying them. Um, and, and, but as for you, you know, your lives are supposed to be consistent what, with what you profess to believe. And again, he's not holding up a standard of perfection. Like, you know, we're saved. Um, um, you know, uh, as he says, we're saved, uh, redeem us from all lawlessness to purify for himself, like, you know, we have to be purified, <laughs> we are lawless, you know, um, the, the phrase that Mike pointed out in verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness, again, it's sort of like, you know, we're not the marathoner yet, we're learning to run the marathon, you know, we're, we're being trained for this, um, it's contrary to our sinful nature, but this new life is, is helping us to, to discipline ourselves, helping us to exercise Again, the, the word Mike pointed out earlier, self-control. You know, that, that isn't an ability that comes from ourselves. It's, it's something that's been implanted into us by the gospel, this, this ability to deny ourselves what ourselves want, you know, to not give in to our immediate desires, but, um, to, but to demonstrate our love for others by being able to, you know, put aside things. Yeah, Jay.
Yeah, and he's going to, to kind of jump forward a little in chapter 3, you know, he talks about, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hatred, uh, hated by others and hating one another. So like we hate other people and they hate us in back. Um, but when the goodness and loving kindness of, our, of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works d- done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, there he's, he's, you know, very clear. Again, it's the works are the fruit of this internal change um, of, of, of the Holy Spirit that has regenerated and renewed our hearts. Um, and to go back again to the, to the you know, why the emphasis, you know, teach what's according to sound doctrine and then the list of behaviors. Um, I think often in our tradition, we can be so, in, um, so concerned about policing sound doctrine, we don't pay attention to how we're living and how we treat other people. Um, uh, I, I think I've told you this um, a couple times, you know, it's the way things I'm studying with my students at, in, in, at the college or in my head. <laughs> and we've been reading lots of, um, uh, uh, we just finished this past week, um, Frederick Douglass's autobiography. Um, and he has, uh, in the original, um, uh, in his original autobiography, he has an appendix in which he uh, discusses Christianity. And he contrasts Christianity with the religion of slaveholders, people who profess Christianity. But for Douglas, their profession is meaningless. Because how can you say that you love God when you're turning around and stripping a woman naked and beating her? Like, you know, something's inconsistent here. (laughs) You know, there's a problem with their profession that's demonstrated by their actions. Um, and, you know, that's what I think Paul is getting at. Like, you know, to profess, you know, the love of God and then to not demonstrate that in, in loving relationships within and without the church, um, to profess this internal change of the Holy Spirit and not to be able to control your own violent passions. Um, there's a problem. Um, you're not, um, the, the unsoundness of your doctrine is demonstrated by your evil behaviors. God has, has changed us. The sound doctrine, the gospel, is there for the purpose of producing godliness in us. Um, and if that godliness is not being um, produced, then we have to look back to, you know, the heart, you know, our have we really believed what we profess uh, that we believe?
Yeah, and it's our our nature to forget. And again, I think that's one of the messages that comes over. You know, God remembers, we forget. <laughs> um, you know, you think of the book of um, Joshua when they're conquering the land. You know, everything they everywhere they go in the book of Joshua, they're setting up a pile of stones or a marker. You know, when you see this, <laughs> remember. <laughs> you know, remember that I split the Jordan River uh, so you could pass on dry ground. You know, remember this uh, um, um, pillar of stones uh, that um, I drove the people out of the city. You know, remember this altar that you are one people of God, not individual, 12 individual nations, but you're one people of God, you're brothers in the faith, and this altar is what unites you, not what divides you and separates you. Um, and uh, there, there's all that emphasis on remembrance because, yeah, it's, it's our proneness to forget, you know, and uh, I, I think I said this last week, you know, it's, it's often we, we feel like we can graduate from the gospel to something else <laughs> like there's some, well you know I, I've mastered the rudiments of the gospel and now I can graduate to PhD work in angelology or you know or genealogy like he talks about you know these endless speculations like we feel like we can go on to some other you know uh, we've advanced to some other plane and for him no <laughs> It's always going back, and as you, know, you say, Jay, always going back to remember the gospel. And you know, when we forget that we are sinners saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, that's when we're in trouble. Like the moment, uh, I often um, uh, will, will say, like the moment I feel like I've got it and I've mastered it is, is probably the most dangerous moment, and I'm setting myself up for an enormous fall. Because the moment I feel like I've mastered the, the gospel is the moment I start forgetting the real truth that it's the gospel that has mastered my sinfulness. Yeah, and, and again, it's uh, to sort of complicate it, it's, it's not just a group with God, it's us as individuals to the group and to God. Like, again, it's the way this is contrast between, yeah, you can't split it. And, um, and it's the way he held uh, in, in chapter one that l love for God's people is also is, is linked with love for God's desires for people. Like, you know, that we, that, we can't say, again, to use Frederick Douglass' example, we can't say, um, you know, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life while we're striking someone, <laughs> you know, with a whip and sort of like, because our words are going to be meaningless. Like the two things, what we say has to be linked with what we behave. Um, and because 
according to the gospel, if we were honest with ourselves, we would realize we deserve to be beaten with the whip, like, you know, to take the power out of our hands, that we are deserved, we are sinners and deserving of punishment. Um, and the moment we lose that side of that, the moment we forget that and apply that to, you know, those people are sinners <laughs> deserving of punishment, um, is the moment uh, we've, we've moved away from sound doctrine. Um, and just as we saw with his first of the trustworthy sayings, we're going to get another trustworthy saying next week. Um, but if you think back to that first tr trustworthy saying he gives us in First Timothy, that um, Christ came Christ came to save sinners, of whom I'm the chief. And when we get away from that core principle, um, we get in, in very dangerous waters. Um, let's see. Uh, well, um, just uh, briefly, uh, so we've been talking about uh, in general, um, uh, and sort of, which is what I wanted, to sort of think of the the big picture of these different lists of behaviors and how they relate to um, this instruction um, or emphasis on sound doctrine. Uh, just briefly, um, he gives particular instructions for different categories of people. Um, so we've talked some about some of the themes that run through throughout them. Are there other themes you see running throughout the list? And then what strikes you about the particularities of, of behaviors for each, any particular group. So if you look at the list and the different things, you know, what strikes you, you know, uh, as Mike pointed out, self-controls running through all of them. Um, anything that strikes you, uh, other similarities through all of them, or uh, you know, what strikes you about the differences? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, and notice how um, in the love, um, if you look at other instructions Paul gives to women, um, what stands out about this one is that he puts love in the priority position. Like, you know, it, that's the one he's emphasizing, um, teaching to love. Um, and, that the, and it's presented in the way that it's older women who are teaching this to younger women. Um, uh, and if we look at the instructions for the older women, um, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior. Um, and that's really it's, it's bizarre language for the New Testament. Um, it doesn't sound bizarre, but like in the Greek, he's using a string of words that only appear in this verse. But it's pretty common Greek. Um, and it's, it's the language uh, often used of Greek priests serving in the temple, so this reverent and behavior that older women are to, to really act um, in their lives as if they would if they were in God's holy temple. So to sort of to think of that. Um, and so from that position of um, these older women behaving as if they're serving in the temple of God, um, from that position, teaching other women younger than themselves to love and behave in certain ways. 
Yeah, Teresa. Mm-hmm. Oh, there and there are actual slaves. <laughs> like, uh, if you um, uh, there's a Christian, um, I'm forgetting a Christian organization um, whose name uh, I'm, I'm blanking on, but it's devoted to um, combating slavery as it exists in the world now. Uh, sexual slavery. Uh, somebody had it. Yeah, I think that's it. International Justice Mission. That you know. They recognize that, um, and by some accountings, there are more slaves in the world now than there ever been before. Like we, kind of, you know, especially in the United States, we like pat ourselves on the back that we got rid of slavery 150 years ago, and um, and forget the fact that forms of slavery are still rife in the world. Um, and as we think about the instructions to slaves. Um, to, to remember that it's instructions for how the slaves are to behave. He's not giving a commentary on the acceptability of slavery um, as, as a whole, but for those Christians who are enslaved, that they, um, they live in a way that um, professes the, the gospel. You know, it, to again, the, the reason that he attaches to that. So that in everything, they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So it's, it's this, you know, and, and as we look at the list, it's, you know, and the difference is whatever condition or stage of life you're in, that, you know, you're to live a life consistent with the gospel. You know, no stage of life gives you the um, excuse, well, you know, because I'm this, all bets are off. <laughs> because I'm young, therefore I can go off the rails <laughs> and you know, you know, sow my wild oats or you know all these different kinds of euphemisms people have lived. Well, you know that was young foolishness, and you know boys will be boys and kind of like excuse uh, untoward behavior. And and Paul's like, no. <laughs> if you're a young man, this is how you behave. Um, sometimes, like, well, you know, uh, I, I've lived a long life, um, I've worked hard, now it's time for me not to do anything or, you know, to, to enjoy what little life I've left, and so therefore, you know, like, you know, I'm going to trade in wife one for wife two and, you know, uh, you know, spend lavishly on myself and sort of, you know, devote oneself, and he's like, no. <laughs> um, so no matter what stage you're in, or, you know, for slaves, again, it, you know, I, I study American slavery pretty intensely, <laughs> um, and they're, you know, uh, for Christian slaves, this is a point they struggle on, especially like, you know, is it stealing if I, if I grew it, <laughs> Uh, you know, why shouldn't I get to eat some of it? Or if I raise it, you know, and so, 
you know, they're, they're struggling on is that, you know, stealing um, because they're being denied, you know, they're being treated poorly. Um, and, you know, where, where these Christian slaves struggle is can they use being treated poorly as an excuse to, well, all bets are off, you know. Uh, all laws go out the window. Um,